Again, my strong and smart fit fist friends. It has been too long. I hope someone out there is still listening. Actually, I know you guys are still listening because you know what? When I check those stats every once in a while, I'm kind of blown away by all of the support and listeners out there and traction. So I am super grateful for every single one of you. Are you guys ready for another episode after all this time, though? Are you ready for a little chat about seasonal depression? Some cute little seasonal depression? Let's see if we can keep it cute and not too depressing in itself. But I do think this is a topic that needs some attention. In case you're brand new here, welcome, welcome, welcome. Allow me to reintroduce myself. I'm Kelly Wilson, owner of FitFizStudio.com, and I am a personal trainer, nutrition coach, behavior change specialist, autoimmune disease educator, and I've worked in the health and fitness industry for over 25 years. I am here to help you ditch the gimmicks, find strength through your struggles, give you knowledge for making the smartest choices for your own health, and to remind you to celebrate victory all along the way. The information shared is for educational and informational purposes only. Nothing should be interpreted as an intent to what? To diagnose, treat, cure, heal, or prescribe. So this is the time of year when people talk an awful lot about showing gratitude. I did an episode a few years ago on the darker side of gratitude, and I got a lot of pushback about it. But that all relates to this episode right here. That was episode 45, in case you want to go back and listen When you're in the midst of depression, seasonal or not, it can feel like an insurmountable thing to find gratitude. And not only that, but if you're a deeply feeling person or a highly sensitive person, it can feel pretty gross and shallow to force yourself to express gratitude over something that's very surface level. I know that a lot of you know what I'm talking about. When you're in a mentally depleted place, it is difficult to find energy that you already don't have to put into things like gratitude. And to that I say, let it roll off your back. The people who can find gratitude in those surface level everyday things and who are in a mentally abundant place, they can't grasp, they won't grasp the levity of your reality with seasonal depression or depression in general. So sometimes you might have to simply accept that those aren't your people. And yes, even if they are family or friends, sometimes you just gotta accept it, keep it moving. This is a topic that I've wanted to do an episode on from the very beginning. Seasonal depression, seasonal affective disorder, and or just a feeling of general heaviness in the winter months, especially if you live in a place where fall and winter months are very cold and dark. I'm so glad to finally get this episode out into the world. And it's actually going to be two pieces, two parts. Um, But I want to get out there ahead of the darkest months of winter in hopes that it will reach a lot of people affected by seasonal depression. Not only that, what do I always say? I say that you need to keep listening, even if this doesn't affect you directly, so that you can better understand those in your life who are affected by it. I know a lot of people affected by seasonal depression. So I want you to ask yourself if there's if there's anyone out there listening right now thinking, I don't think I know anybody affected by seasonal depression. Number one, you're very lucky. Number two, you probably live in a very warm climate. But I bet you, I'm willing to bet that you do know somebody who's affected by it. But there's just not a lot of chance to bring it up because we feel 
I say we because I am deeply affected by it. We feel like we're going to be negative or we're going to, you know, be like a buzzkill to whatever mood is in the room or whatever people are talking about. But a lot of people are affected by it. So I promise, you know, at least a few people who wish that others understood what they were going through a little bit better. And this is the main point of this episode. I don't have a magic answer on how to make it go away, but I have advice on getting through it, tips from many years of forcing myself to power through it, personal stories, and what not to say to your friends and family who are trying to cope and how certain months can deeply affect us. I'm going to go deeper on this later, but before anyone taps out early, I want to clearly state that if you're out there telling people to, oh, just get some vitamin D, thinking that you are being helpful, you are seriously mistaken. It doesn't matter how good your intentions might be in saying that, but it is not helpful. It's dismissive, and there's a very high chance that you're actually giving bad medical advice. I'll explain more on that in part two of this short little series on seasonal depression. That's why it's get, vitamin D is getting its own episode because there is so much to say about it that I think a lot of you will find surprising. But let's go over some facts first. What is seasonal depression and or seasonal affective disorder? Since I'm not a doctor and since I'm not diagnosing anyone, I'm going to use throughout this episode, use seasonal depression and seasonal affective disorder, or SAD, seasonal affective disorder, I'm going to use them interchangeably. Doctors will sometimes call it major depressive order with seasonal pattern. It can feel like mild or major depression, and about 10% of the population has it to some degree. I'd I'd be willing to bet it's a higher number number than that, um, just based on people I talk to on an everyday basis. It might look like apathy about life in general. It might look like unexplained sadness, tiredness, low energy, or a loss of interest in doing anything at all. It might look like a withdrawal from wanting to socialize or just a general depressed feeling like malaise. So for me personally, I start to feel this by late August every year. And I often have people say that they don't believe that I can experience it that early. But I have more on how to respond to these dismissive, rude people later on. I would guess that I'm probably in the moderate to heavier hit part of the spectrum of people who experience seasonal depression. But I think that I've become quite good at maneuvering through it, which has both good and bad sides. It's not necessarily a good thing. It's good because when I'm around other people, I feel confident in saying that no one probably knows that I'm affected by it. But the bad side of that, especially being single with no consistent life partner to lean on for support at night or in the mornings or after holiday time with family, I do have very significant moments where I deal with the weight of it alone. And it can very often feel insurmountably heavy, especially once it snows and it's freezing outside, it gets even worse. And it's even been emotionally difficult for me to put this episode together. Normally, I sit down, I put my thoughts in order, I create an outline to make sure I stay on topic when I create podcast episodes. This one was very hard. I have never stopped and started working on an episode so many times as I did for this one, because depression is not fun, obviously. But I really had to, you know, I was really putting hours of focused thought into this. And I wanted to give you 
almost all of my best thoughts, but you know, me sitting with that in concentration for quite some time, it, it was very difficultly. It was very difficult for me to put it together. That's how deeply I personally relate to all of this. And of course, it's not random that people do start to feel like this. Uh, let's talk about a little bit of the history. This condition was first documented by a man named Dr. Norman Rosenthal, who is still alive today. He's a psychiatrist, a scientist, and an author who developed light therapy as a treatment. He's originally from South Africa, and then he moved to the United States and realized something was wrong. He started realizing there was a lack of light, and he started treating himself to try to improve this feeling, this seasonal depression that he was feeling. And he was doing controlled studies. His website will be in the show notes if you want to learn more about him. It's normanrosenthal.com. Um, but his book, Poetry Rx, is about how light and mood affect each other in our neurological circuitry. He also has a quiz on his website, which is pretty cool. You can take it to see if you're affected by seasonal depression. Um, it's, you know, kind of fun to take if you like that kind of thing. But this quiz has been clinically used in research studies. That's how official it is. And it's pretty easy and fast, but there's really, like I said, it can be fun, but there's nothing really surprising about it, at least for me, after I took it, knowing that I am already affected by seasonal depression. But you might want to take it just for fun. I, um, his website, again, is normanrosenthal.com. Researchers are still deciphering all of the factors that can contribute to seasonal affective disorder. But the main reasons that we know are an overproduction of melatonin, due to there being more hours of darkness in the day. Melatonin is a hormone that is produced in the pineal gland, and it responds to sleepiness when it senses darkness. So the body is producing more melatonin, that's making you feel sleepy, and that contributes to part of this feeling of seasonal depression. So there are real concrete factors at play here. It's not just, oh, it's dark and I'm sad. It has to do with hormones. Seasonal depression can also be brought on by lower levels of vitamin D. I think most people tend to know that. Um, but don't forget that vitamin D is a hormone and all hormones directly affect other hormones. So this can sometimes lead to lower levels of serotonin. Serotonin is a neurotransmitter responsible for helping to regulate our mood. And these lower levels of serotonin are another reason that Another reason on their own that we can create this onset of seasonal depression. So you can understand, I'm, I'm assuming you can understand like why all of these play a role in just making us feel sad because it's dark outside. Another contributing factor is an imbalance in your circadian clock. So if melaton more melatonin is being produced, making you feel sleepy, if you are that therefore sleeping more, and having less serotonin, you're throwing off your circadian clock, which is also due to all of all of the above reasons, figuratively fighting with each other and trying to find a balance in the absence of what would be a normal balance in you not feeling this way. So aside from those things, let's address the question, why are some people affected and some are not? Because, you know, if 10% of the, the population is affected, that leaves 90%. I would, again, say that 90% is a very high number. But that's definitely a majority of people who are not affected. So why are some people affected and some are not? Some basic things we know about who tends to be affected are that people who are 
past the age of puberty, but under age 50. They are most likely to be affected by it. And women are four times more likely to feel the effects of seasonal depression. Some other factors that include geographical location, that pretty much speaks for itself. And it can be partially genetic. It is hormone related, as I mentioned, that vitamin D is a hormone and so is serotonin. Again, this is related to why girls and women feel it so much more than men because our hormones are just naturally so much more complex. There's a lot more going on for women's hormones. Environmental stress can also make it worse. You just, you feel the stress and everything just kind of goes downhill from there in the, your mood and the way you feel. Another reason is shift work schedules. If you work at night, um, that's just going to play a very much bigger role in your circadian, circadian clock being off, your body producing different levels of melatonin than it should be to begin with. So all of these factors, if you picture it kind of like a soup, if you have all of these factors happening, it's just going to cook up like a, a tornado of symptoms that can definitely make you feel seasonal depression in the winter months. Let's get into the things that you can do to help yourself cope or to help those that you care about. Um, If you simply can't just pick up and move to a warm, sunny climate, which I would do in a heartbeat if certain factors made it possible. But first, I want to talk about the more elusive ways that you can cope, things that have to do with like feelings and mindset. And then we'll get into the more concrete ways that you can cope, like supplementation. So, things that you can do to help cope. One of the things that I've found to be helpful is to work on reframing the idea of seasonal depression or reframe the the idea of just this gross, heavy feeling. I had to learn to accept that I simply won't always be as productive and energized this time of year. And that's just how it is. I've learned to allow myself to just roll with it more and more. This doesn't mean I allow an infinite level of watching TV and numbing out, but it's certainly more than I do in warmer months. I've had to work hard to unlearn a lot of harmful type of mindset patterns that I previously had that were so deeply ingrained in me that were things like my worth was tied to being productive, which is simply not true. And it is hard to unlearn. But once you become aware that like if you do think this way, become aware of it and work to make your mind and body believe and know that that's simply not true, that your worth is not tied to being productive. I'm sure a lot of you can relate to this. And it's it's not easy to have that shift in mindset. But, you know, like I said, have the awareness and then work to change it. Every time you catch yourself in those thought loops, you got to, you know, interrupt the thought loop and retrain your mind. Another part of that unlearning has been to Train my brain to know that I am worthy of rest simply by being a human. And it's not something that I have to be deserving of. Now, that doesn't mean I don't have goals and things to achieve, but shifting my mindset around these things too has also been very healthy for me. And it also makes me mourn my younger self quite a bit for when I just mentally beat myself up for being depressed and constantly telling myself I was unworthy of rest, even though my body was screaming out for it. And as I always say, don't learn the hard way like I did, because I didn't 
unlearn these things until it was too late, until I had that breaking point with my health, um, which I have discussed in many past episodes. So if you're a new listener, all those past episodes are still highly relevant and you'll still learn a lot if you go back and can find the the time to binge listen. But don't be afraid to lean into what your body is telling you. It might be telling you you need comfort in the form of being under a pile of cozy blankets or a weighted blanket or an extra nap or deciding that it's worth it to pay for grocery delivery over the energy it takes to trudge through a grocery store in a heavy winter coat. I can definitely get on board with that if it fits in your budget. Um, But you just need to learn to honor what your body needs in terms of stillness and solitude if you're experiencing these heavy things like seasonal depression. Just today, I told a lifelong friend that I needed some time to recharge until well after the new year, until I feel like I had the social bandwidth to just FaceTime with her and catch up. And it's it's not that I don't want to, I want to, but I've learned that like, that's what my body, my body needs. Christmas was just a couple days ago. It took a lot out of me and I don't let myself feel bad about that either because I know what my body needs. I know some people are constantly being contacted by far more people from every aspect of life than I am. And that used to be me when I had leaky boundaries. And I didn't know how to vocalize my needs like this. It's an exhausting place to be in. And I will never be that person again. Um, True friends will not have an issue with you setting these boundaries and vocalizing what you need if you just need rest and solitude and time to recharge. And if you need more of it during these winter months than you would when it's warmer outside, it makes sense and it's fair and you deserve it. Um, It's part of taking care of your health. And if people do have a problem with it, fine, set them free. That's how I see it. If it has to be forced, it's not for me. That's another thing I've learned over the years. And I certainly lean into this idea a lot more during the winter months. The next thing, how to cope in these touchy-feely mindset type of ways. Stop apologizing for how you feel. I mean this in a very broad sense, the broadest sense, Stop apologizing for how you feel. But today, I specifically mean it in terms of how you feel when you're dealing with seasonal depression. I used to let it affect me when people would say things like, oh, look at the snow. It's so beautiful. And I used to muster the oomph to quietly agree. But I was wincing so hard inside because you know what? I don't think the snow is pretty. I hate it. But I also hate feeling inauthentic. One day I'll do an episode on this too, but thyroid conditions are often brought to to the surface by having your voice suppressed. This is one of the many reasons I felt that my voice had to be suppressed in my younger life because I would reluctantly agree with things because if I didn't, then I'd have to hear responses like, oh, don't be so negative. Now, I don't make any apologies. I don't. That's who I am. I effectively use my voice for the sake of thyroid health and mental health, by letting people know. I simply don't agree. I'm not going to performatively agree with anybody for anything. They can go and find someone else to enjoy the snow with, but it won't be me. And I won't pretend and I won't apologize for it. If they give me pushback, then I know I can't trust them on a certain level because I can't be myself. And I'll just respond by being very distant in their life. It's 
it's not drastic. It's called being true to yourself, being true to myself and my needs and my health. And maybe that will help you too. Self-abandonment, that is not something that I participate in anymore for this, like I was saying, for the sake of my mental health, for the sake of general health, and you shouldn't either. No more self-abandonment. Let go of that weight. It can greatly help with the weight of seasonal depression. And you also need to know firmly that none of this is a weakness. Setting these boundaries is not a weakness. Saying no is not a weakness. Vocalizing how you feel, even if it's not in agreement to make other people comfortable, it is not weakness. It is a strength. And I can say it to you, but you need to know it within your soul. You won't be able to truly lean into these things unapologetically until you do believe it and you do know that it is a it is not a weakness within your mind or your body. So I I want to say it to you, but I also want you to work on knowing it and believing it and firm, being confident that it is n- knowing that it is not a weakness. So you're a, uh, once again release the weight of that, which is only going to make the weight of seasonal depression a little bit less. Another thing that can lighten the load of the weight of seasonal depression is learning to be conscious of not carrying the energy of other people and don't carry the weight of someone else's decisions. These things took me a very, very long time to learn in life. And it's not something that changes overnight. But again, once you become aware of these things, it can make your mental load a lot lighter, which then helps your mental health overall any time of year. This could be an in-depth topic on its own, but what I mean by not carrying the the energy of other people applies in particular to empaths. So stick with me here. I'm going to get a little bit woo-woo, but I'm hoping you, you can follow me down this road. So empaths are highly sensitive to feelings of the people around them, feelings that other people are experiencing, even if nothing is said. And I know that being an empath is something that has sort of become like a virtue signal lately, especially on social media. But aside of being an empath that I don't hear talked about enough is that people are not born as empaths. Empathetic people are created through trauma. And the more trauma you go through, the more empathic you become, the more hyper aware you are of the feelings of other people and what they're experiencing just by being in the same room as them. Because that trauma puts your nervous system in a heightened state of awareness as a means for survival. So when I say it's not a virtue signal to to proclaim, oh, I'm such an empath, I mean that empaths, myself included, we are responsible for healing that trauma that made us feel other people's feelings in the first place. That's not our energy. It takes a toll on you if you allow it to run rampant with no control. And the way you fix that is, number one, heal your trauma. Number two, in the short term, take better care of yourself by becoming aware of the times that your empathic side is taking in and absorbing the feelings of other people involuntarily, just all willy-nilly. We don't want that. If you're an empath, you know that feeling, you know the feeling of being in a room with other people and you might leave sometimes feeling exhausted and depleted because you allowed yourself to feel all of their energy. Next time that happens, mentally step out of the moment, notice how it feels, and 
notice for yourself which parts of this are not my energy and let that go. It is not your weight to carry. So for those of you listening to learn how to be supportive of others who are experiencing seasonal depression, let's touch on what you can specifically do, especially if you don't know what seasonal depression feels like yourself. So how, how do you be supportive of a loved one who deals with sad or seasonal affective disorder this winter? The number one thing is, I'm begging you, <laughs> begging you from personal experience, don't write it off as, well, they're just depressed. I'll just leave them alone. And please, I'm begging even harder for this one. Don't dismiss it as not real. Even if it's as early as August, like I said earlier, I start to feel it that early once the days start to get noticeably shorter. Don't dismiss it as non-existent. It is happening. It is real. When it starts to get cold, I do tend to say a lot of negative things if I'm with someone in person about how I hate the snow and things like that. For me personally, I have come to realize that when I say things like that, it's somewhat of a litmus test to see who I can trust with how I'm feeling. And I don't do this on purpose. I don't say these negative things on purpose, like, oh, I hate the snow to see how people react. But in hindsight, if I step outside of myself, I can see that that's why I'm doing it. Um, but upon, you know, being introspective about this type of thing, and when people respond like, what? I love the snow. How can you not love snow? Or things like that. It's sort of a way for me to know if I can trust them with how I'm feeling, especially if they don't sense that I'm not okay and offer the emotional bandwidth to talk about it. It lets me know, okay, I need to carry the weight of this by myself. There's someone who doesn't get it. So ask yourself if you encounter either end of these situations, if somebody might be putting feelers out to see if you're someone they can trust with these depressing feelings they might be having. Another thing you can do to show support for someone who's feeling seasonal depression, just simply be sure to be caring. Don't try to change them. Don't try to feel a need to fix it. That's being codependent. So don't do that. Don't tell them to not feel that way. That's not going to happen. Don't tell them to just get over it. Those are not helpful things, but just be caring. Listen, ask them what it feels like. Listen some more. Ask them what specifically would make them feel most supported? Don't just say, let me know if you need anything, because that's an empty thing to say. I don't like it when people say that. But specifically ask what you can do to help make them feel supported as they go through this. People who do not experience seasonal depression are quite, you're seasonally resilient. You're lucky. <laughs> and um, But please have, if you do have, if you're lucky enough to be seasonal resilient, you do have some extra emotional bandwidth. So use that as a way to be supportive this winter for any friends and family who are affected by it. Talk about it. Initiate conversations about it, if they're, how they're feeling about it. Spend time talking about what might help them. Now for the more concrete things you can do for yourself or to help those that you care about. First on my list, very near and dear to my heart as a way to cope, which nobody will find surprising, is regular physical activity. Exercising regularly and in particular, working up a full body sweat to get the lymphatic system moving can improve symptoms of seasonal defective disorder. And there have been actual studies conducted on this. 
And some of those studies in particular had participants doing group training only two to three times per week. And that was enough for participants to notice an improvement in their quality of life and general mood during the winter months. The next intervention to cope is one that I will admit I do struggle with, and that is spending time with friends and family, or this could be called community. It's not that I don't enjoy it, but it can often feel like it's too heavy of a performative job for me if it's with more than one person at a time, and if it's with anyone who I feel doesn't fully love me all the way through. What do I mean by that? I mean people who... Loving me all the way through, I mean people who accept my sexuality, that I'm a sexual being, my trauma, my swearing, my struggles, my interest in avoiding small talk because it, it, I can't stand small talk. I'd much rather have meaningful, deep conversations than how was your weekend type of surface level stuff. For me, if I'm already feeling seasonal depression, it can feel quite daunting to interact with people outside of that description that feels fulfilling to me, even though it's probably good for me. But again, as someone who's not married, I don't have my own kids, I do see a connection, but I don't wish to put my energy into people who aren't going to love me all the way through, like I said, because it doesn't feel supportive of my emotional needs. Therefore, it feels like it feels more draining. I don't know if that's common or not, but that's just how it feels for me. So I'm sharing it with transparency. Sometimes when I don't have it in me to connect with other people who don't love me all the way through, I'm saying this in a very particular way because I already know I'm going to get messages as I frequently do from people who will verbally say that they will be there for be there for me. But I also don't but maybe we don't align on certain things or they don't love me all the way through, like I said. But what I do sometimes do is I just turn on comedy specials on Netflix, kind of force myself into some laughter when I don't have someone to share it with. Laughter is always a good remedy, however you can obtain it, whether it's with community or by watching Netflix, even by yourself. <laughs> so when it comes to these things, this whole community aspect, which is growing in popularity, in popularity I do agree that it is very important. But it's also important to remember your own boundaries around these things and be unapologetic about them. As I have already laid out what works for me in terms of connecting with other people, especially during seasonal depression months. I've said this on Twitter multiple times when people who I barely know will DM me and ask if I'm okay or if I want to talk. I don't want to share these heavy feelings if you've never seen me naked, we've never even kissed each other on the cheek because if you don't know me on that level, it is going to take me days to get to the meat and potatoes of what's happening with how I'm really feeling to unpack it all. And I don't have time for that. I can appreciate that whole check in with your friends movement. But there's another whole side of respecting people's space that I want to address in another episode about emotional labor. Something I think that is not said is that sometimes people hounding you about, hey, are you okay? You can also make them feel more isolated when it's coming from someone who you don't already have an intimate relationship with. And when I say intimate, I, I don't mean necessarily sexually, but, you know, on a deep very on a deep level where you very very much know that know that person inside and out at least that's how i feel about it anyway 
And a much more simple thing, let's lighten it a little bit, our little seasonal depression talk, a much more simple thing that might, might help you cope with seasonal depression is St. John's wort as a supplement. I'm not going to even mention any type of dose. You can do some internet searches on your own, but this is a medicinal herb known for its effectiveness in treating depression. It may also improve seasonal affective disorder symptoms. Um, Studies have found that supplementing with St. John's wort, that it can be as effective as light therapy for seasonal affective disorder. I will put the link to that study in the show notes so you can read about it more if you wish to. Uh, Do proceed with caution though with St. John's wort because this herb can possibly decrease the effectiveness of certain types of birth control and it might not be compatible with some medications. So be sure to look into that first before you take it. Now I'm getting to the more talked about ways to cope, which are light exposure. And then I have a whole lot to say about vitamin D. That's why I'm saving it for its very own episode right after this one. But first, let's talk about light exposure. There's more than one type of light exposure. There's sunlight, and then there's artificial light. Sunlight exposure, the most obvious. If we weren't lacking that, we wouldn't be having having this seasonal depression problem in the first place, right? Obvious. So It's more like a sunshine deficiency that some of us are forced to live with. Unfortunately, we can't fill up like you would fill up a gas tank on a dose of sunshine for more than a day or so, but lacking sunshine can make your symptoms worse and worse the longer that you go without it, without sunshine. So spending more time outside, even in the cold winter months, and letting more natural sunlight into your home, even if it's not sunlight, even if it's just daylight, let's say natural light, letting more natural light into your home, that can help increase your exposure to sunlight or just natural light. Even if you think it won't help, even a five to 10 minute walk outside on a cold, unsunny day can indeed help. It's been proven to help. I know, I know, I know. It can sound like a terrible idea. If you're like me and you hate any weather that's below 70 degrees Fahrenheit, but even I force myself to do it when it's not unreasonably cold outside. And I will begrudgingly admit that it does help. Part of this has to do with exposing the eyeballs to sunlight. Now I am normally a sunglasses wearer. But when I do these walks, especially in the morning or the first time I leave the house for the day, I purposely leave my sunglasses off for at least 20 minutes if if I at all possibly can. Now, sometimes I might have a migraine. I'll wear them anyway. And I do wear contact lenses. It would be even better if I didn't have them in, but I can't see without them. But if you can let your eyeballs raw dog the daylight, whether it's sunny or not, This is the key thing to do regularly any time of year, just like all of our ancestors did. So doing it is great for eye health. Again, any time of year, especially in the morning, it helps to regulate our sleep cycles. Remember how early in the show I mentioned melatonin, serotonin, and circadian rhythms and how all of that being off contributes to heavier feelings of seasonal depression. So if you can exposure raw exposure eyeballs to the daylight or sunlight raw dog those eyeballs get them out there whether you're feeling seasonal depression or not it's that daylight hitting the backs of your retinas where some serotonin is produced so there is science behind this it's not just all willy-nilly but letting your bare eyeballs 
get in the daylight, even if it's not sunlight, it hits the back of your retinas, more serotonin is, pro- is produced. That's our feel-good hormone. It's a neurotransmitter. Optimally, if it's early in the day, that is best. So all this stuff is just good, juicy, healthy hub habits in many ways. So it's going to help you with your seasonal depression, going to help you with <laughs> overall health. It's all just good goodness. Get into the habit. It's good for you, even if you don't feel like it. Find the oomph. Find whatever motivates you to just get out there and do it for the sake of your health. Another reason that getting this sun exposure is so good any time of the year that it it decreases inflammation, particularly the UVB rays can help to ease even autoimmune conditions. This is another reason why people who do have autoimmune conditions might experience a more intense amount of seasonal depression because you add inflammation to all of these other things and it just makes everything feel worse. But again, if you can do this, the daylight thing, that's going to help and decrease the inflammation as well. So that's natural light. So another type of light therapy is artificial light, or you might have heard them called happy lights. So the sun is obviously brighter than all artificial lights. But if you can't access sunlight or even daylight, this is your next best option. Now, if you're familiar with light therapy for seasonal depression, it involves using a light with certain frequencies. So these are very specific types of light. It's not just any old light bulb, but it's a very specific type of light frequency that mimics natural daylight. A meta-analysis of randomized controlled trials found that the effectiveness of seasonal affective disorder light therapy was comparable to trials where antidepressants were used. And that study will be in the show notes as well. But so just to repeat that, that study basically found to be these um, artificial happy lights were just as effective as antidepressants in some people. Ideally, these lights are used first thing in the morning to mimic the natural morning sunlight, and they can be used throughout the day as well. Some of them can, some of these like these happy lights can get quite costly, unfortunately. Ideally, you want to get one that's kind of big, at least like 18 inches by 12 inches or close to it. There are smaller ones that you can get, but those haven't been tested as much. Um, To prevent eye strain, you should also set them up so that you can see them in your peripheral vision, not directly right in front of your eyeballs. A couple of good brands that the Dr. Rosenthal recommends himself are called Verilux and Carex. Verilux.com and Carex.com. I will put those links in the show notes as well. Now, I don't use these brands, but I do have a panel that emits red light from a brand called Mido Red Light. Again, links will be in the show notes. But red lights have been shown to also provide relief from symptoms of seasonal depression. Now, again, just like the happy lights, not all red lights are created equal. Unfortunately, many brands on Amazon are low quality and ineffective, and they simply don't have the right components or light frequencies to be effective in the way that we want them to. And unfortunately, the brands that work well, they are not exactly low cost, but if you can fit it into your budget, they're definitely worth it. Now, just to brace you a little bit for for sticker shock, for example, the one I have, I would say it's about, it's probably about 16 inches by 12 inches, and I think it was about $600. So definitely not cheap, but definitely worth it. 
I will put some other brands of red lights that I trust in the show notes. With a lot of these brands, you do have they do have sales if you sign up for their email list. So that's a way that you can save on some of the cost. And now the drum roll, what we've all been waiting for in the next episode. We're finally going to talk about vitamin D supplementation and all of the pros and cons around it, everything about vitamin D. So I will see you there very, very shortly. Celebrate victory.